The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. Have yourself a merry COVID Christmas Though it may feel odd. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning. Thought we'd start off a nice little... I know, I thought it was going to be a nice one. I was like... Rona is going to ruin... Is it going to ruin a second no. Christmas in America? No, I think inflation is going to ruin that. Are people worrying... Well, inflation is certainly going to ruin your retirement plan. Might have uh, impacted your Christmas spending. It's left, that's that's what everyone's waiting to see. But I think we're wearing masks again this Christmas, Karen. Mm. Uh, we're not. We had a family talk. We're not. So let's talk about inflation. So we had the Fed speak, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. Chairman, um, the median forecast for inflation in this month's uh, or this meeting's uh, economic projections has been revised up significantly for 2021, but barely moved for 2022 and 2023. Uh, All right. This is an important part, Carrie. Remember, we, we knew that the, the Fed was going to probably accelerate the tapering and probably you know, accelerate raising interest rates still next year. They're not going to do it mm-hmm. right now. But now the market is kind of baking in probably two, probably three interest rate hikes next year. All right. Now, I don't, I think the straw that broke the Fed's back was the PPI. Remember last week we had two late pieces of data, which was the JOLTS report mm-hmm. and the CPI. But unsurprisingly, the PPI, which came in this week, came in at almost a 10 handle, you know, and and that, I think, was the straw that broke the Fed's back. And they said, okay, we have got to do something. We can't, you know, inflation obviously is no longer transitory. And, you know, what are we going to do? And that was part of his meeting. Um, but what Mike McKee from Bloomberg asked Powell was that when you look at the dot, remember the, the dot, pl- I was talking about the dot plots, and that's right. the when they project their all their models. And when you look at their projections for, now remember, the Fed doesn't use CPI, they use PCE, the personal consumption expenditure, right? So yeah, obviously for 2021, they inc- they're showing on their plots 5.3%, the range 53 to 5.4%, reflecting mm-hmm. this 5 percent that we've actually seen okay but then when they're showing what's going to happen in 2022 2023 and 2024 they go right back down for 2022 it's 2.6 percent for 2023 it's 2.3 percent and for 2024 it's 2.1 percent and then longer run they're saying we're back to our target of two percent mm-hmm does anyone believe him? No. That's Mike McKee's question. So let's see. So do you buy Paul's answer to the question, or do you think he gets a little bit tongue-tied? You said you expect inflation to fall significantly. Is that because you're going to raise interest rates or because the virus is going to fade and the effects are going to fade? In other words, is it a question of when not if you raise interest rates and 
does it suggest that maybe your critics are correct and you might be afraid you're behind the curve? Yeah. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the SCP here and, and the median forecasts for core and headline inflation did move up by, by four tenths each. So th- that's a significant. Uh, so he's saying, well, yeah, we raised the future years up by right. four tenths from two to two point four. And he's, he's saying, saying that's not much. He's saying that's substantial. OK, he's saying oh, it, it in, is? in modeling. He said that's a substantial increase from our previous forecast because it doesn't seem like but four we're tenths. at we're at five right now. OK. You know, in an SCP, that's a pretty significant move up. Um, you know, it's it's based on on both of those things, I suppose. Um, I, I do think. uh Yes, there's a broad expectation among forecasters, including our own, that the that the bottlenecks will alleviate sometime over the course of this year. If you look at look at where blue chip forecasts are, which is the you know group of uh, well resourced uh, large forecasting operations with a long track record, they'll show in, inflation coming back down uh, significantly toward the back end of next year. Hmm. Um, I uh, I'm. Would say, though, as well, that our policy should begin to have an effect. There will be a lag, but it should begin to have an effect on that as well. Uh, And, um, you know, that's the most likely case. I guess what what the the thing I would want to say, though, is um, we can't act as though that's a certainty and we're not going to act as though that's a certainty. There's a Hmm. real risk now, we believe, I believe, that inflation may be more persistent and that may be putting inflation expectations under pressure and that the risk of, of higher inflation becoming entrenched has increased. It's certainly increased. I don't think it's high at this moment, but I think it's increased. And I think that's part of the reason behind our, our move today is to put ourselves in a position to be able to deal with that risk. And I think we are in a position to, to deal with that risk. We, we need to see more data. We need to see how the inflation data and, the, and the, all the data evolve uh, for in coming months. But, uh, but we are prepared to you know, to use our tools to make sure that that higher inflation doesn't get entrenched. For one reason, as I, as I just mentioned, it's it's one of the two big threats, the other being the pandemic itself, to to getting back to maximum employment. All right. So he it's again. So I, I guess he was saying, you know, he's it could be persistent. <laughs> they haven't. So they haven't put that in their dot plots yet. They're still saying the base case scenario is we trend back to. The target, which is trending back to 2% inflation. I don't know, though, if they were certainly way off on their call this year in 2021. Mm-hmm. And how good is their call? You know, and so we'll see. But how, what do you do at home in the meantime, right? Do you sit on your couch and complain about inflation? Or are you not even worried about inflation? Um, what are you worried about? I mean, it's certainly he mentioned the virus. Right. And and again, we've always year two. We've been saying for years now that the coronavirus risk is twofold. One, obviously, is the health risk. Right. To everyone and their families. The second one is the financial risk, mm-hmm. the global financial risk. Right. And that can certainly which a lot of people believe is the cause of the you know the the um the shutdown of the you know care what am i trying to say the the, the supply ship, chain the, i was going to say the ship sitting somewhere the supply the... chain right and the and the fact that then you add on top of that the stimulus money that was dropped in everybody's lap um, and again, and the rest of the world is struggling with this. You know, we, we, we talked about recently Brazil's basically, you know, hyperinflation recession. Um, Turkey, Turkey's got big problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you over, we just found out the last couple of days that, that there's 11% unemployment. Uh, and, Ouch. and, and the, the, the president, the, what he says is, well, you know, he's trying to save, you know, he's trying to save the country. He's trying to do anything. And he says, well, what his plan is we're going to do, we're going to just, we're going to double minimum wage. Okay. Where's that going to, how's that? I mean, yeah, it, do you it, think companies might not have to cut workers? So, you know, who, but he, you know, so we've got, so we've seen, the 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 financially globally this the 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 Rona is still raising havoc. Um, 
and we've got now the Omicron, Omicron, however you right. want to say it, sp- spreading like wildfire. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland Brown. I, do, I have if, a feeling we're just going to have all kinds of different variants forever. Right. So, I mean, the reality, I look at the flu. There's always different versions of it. Right. I don't so, think it's going anywhere. Right. So, so again, so, but I think that PPI, I mean, coming in at 9.6%, over year over year, the biggest jump carry since they've been gathering data in 2010. Um, you know, regardless of what political affiliation, this is bad news for your financial plan. Because if the producing, you know, price index is going up, a lot of people just say, well, that's going to lead to you paying more retail prices at some point mm-hmm. down the line, meaning that we have not peaked out on inflation and it's still coming. And that's the thing. Now, we'll talk about, well, all right, so how would you then run a different model? We've been talking a lot about that on these shows for the last, for how long? We've been talking about inflation for a long time. I'll let you give the, the, the numbers here in a minute. But the idea is, yes, if you have not started thinking about changing or upgrading your financial model to reflect either and it's Carrie, it's not only what you think inflation is going to be in the future, whether you believe in the Fed's dot plots or you believe in something else. Because mm-hmm. really nobody knows. I mean, but the idea is also, though, do you have to mark to market right now your real expenses right now? Because we've had this inflation. What is not no longer debate is the actual inflation that we've had over the last 12 months. So if you haven't updated that number, you might have been using a number that you put together a couple of years ago. And maybe right. you were adding you know, the normal inflation. Well, that may be under budgeting right now. That may not right be now. realistic right now. So do you have to get a, a gathering of your recent expenses and then go back and say, okay, what is my new benchmark, you know, starting today? And now when I get to that number, now from going forward, you may be running your different scenarios about whether you believe that inflation has peaked out and is on the way back down, or you want to build a more conservative case and assuming that we've got this higher inflation for a number of years to go yet, and then maybe eventually taper back down. Now, I don't know if we've never used down to 2% no. in our models. I think the lowest we've ever used on day-to-day basic is 3 Yeah, And usually it's 3 to 4 I kind of default 3 But some people for a long time have wanted us to use 4% just to be more conservative in their long-term projections, even when actual inflation was much lower. You know, Mark, when you're mentioning that, when we do these financial modeling and plan, usually we've been modeling in different growth rates and, you know, a slow growth recovery for your cash positions or... Um, now we're looking at it for inflation. Um, and actually, that's an example of what we do. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought, and we're sponsored by the estate planning team. And what we do with the estate planning team is financial modeling, numbers crunching, um, a- objective unbiased analysis. So you know, and we can build these projections, as, um, and they're customized based on what you're worried about and how that impacts you and every aspect of your financial life. So you know if I'm reti- wor- working and thinking about retiring, what are realistic retirement dates based on the spending and the retirement lifestyle I want? Or if I'm in retirement, can I spend the things I want to? Or um, whether it's discretionary or mandatory, can I afford things? Um, without running out of money? And then how do you use the opportunities in the complicated tax code? And what are steps you can take today that we know are available that you can create future tax efficient income, which is even more important if you're someone that believes that tax rates are going to go up in the future. And the estate planning team has been around more than 35 years. We are an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm that offers both hourly and comprehensive retainers fees. And we offer a free consultation 
which we can do consultations either by phone or in person. We're happy to do either. Um, and we're scheduling in December, January, and February. If you want to go ahead and get on the schedule, even if you don't have time with the holiday rush, um, you're welcome to get on the schedule in early 2022. And you can call for that free consultation. We'll actually um, do some preliminary analysis to see are there things you're worried about that you shouldn't be or things you you don't know what you don't know and are there's there something you should be worried about that you don't even know is a problem and that's what our free consultation does um, a preliminary analysis and again call 440-239-2090 that's 440-239-2090 or if you visit our website that's financialfoodforthought.com sign up for our newsletters you can listen to podcasts and you can contact us for the free consultation. We have some incentives if you come in by a certain date. So check that out at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So what's going on? So, Carrie, we're, I don't think we're going to get the Build Back Better plan by Christmas. Oh, thankfully. Um, and w- the question now is, uh, when, are, if anything, are we going to get? And it's no surprise you know we had mentioned that too that we it was looking less and less likely that they would get something to see the democrats they're infighting gary they just Mm -hmm. cannot come to an agreement in their own party and it's there after all this time Mm -hmm. i don't think they're any closer they just they just keep getting down trapped in 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 the logic in the hypocrisy of what they're trying to propose to the American public. And I don't think the American public is buying it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, of course, and so President Biden this week kind of conceded, you know, that it wasn't going to get done, you know, this year. Here's his quote. It takes time to finalize these agreements, prepare the legislative changes, and finish all the parliamentary and procedural steps needed to enable a Senate vote. Mm. How's that for an answer? Mm. Okay. Um, and But I think it, it proves another point that we've been saying on this show forever is that the president really doesn't have a lot of power when it comes no. to passing major tax legislation. They just don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, does everybody get that? Right. It, the president really doesn't have that much no, power. No, but they always get tied to those bills. I mean, even... Um... There was a poll saying that um, Biden's, you know, spending plans are hurting. Forty seven percent of people said that it's hurting. Right. But when people say, but I mean, (laughs) all I'm saying is that the president, it doesn't. It's Congress that makes the laws. What the what the president has is the big veto pen. So he can certainly he or she have a lot of power to block new tax legislation. Right. But that's not the same thing as passing new tax legislation. Mm-hmm. There, all the power resides in the Senate. Some power in the House, but really the Senate. All right. Um, and that's why we've been saying that actually, you know, Joe Manchin, who's, who will be blamed as the Grinch who's, you know, who stole Christmas from the progressive Democrats, right, um, has more clout uh-huh. than the president right now. Right. Um, and that's where the stalemate comes. Now, mm-hmm. how far apart are they? Well, here's the problem. So, you know, remember the progressive Democrats started at what five trillion? I mean, they they were willing to go up to five six trillion. The, the more, the merrier. You, mm-hmm. you know, for that, that was knocked out. Obviously, then it was down. Then the Democrats said, "Okay, we're down to two trillion," mm-hmm. thinking that that was a no brainer. Well, that wasn't Mansion's number, right? Mansion's number was one point seven five trillion, and part of Mansion's deal was no gimmicks. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't give me these gimmicks where you say you're going to install a uh, uh, entitlement program instead of keeping it going for the full 10 years, what supposedly this budget's all about. We'll keep it going for three years and then stop it when they have really no intentions of stopping it after right. three years. It's just a way to get under the, the, the cap limit. And it's a gimmick. And then once and then when they get to the end of the three years, then they kick the can down the road. All of a sudden it's extended for another three years. You mm-hmm. get everyone knows that. picture. Right. Right? So Manchin said none of that. If we're going to put anything into this bill, it's for the full 10 years. Now, for example, um, you know, you could look at the uh, the child tax credit. Right. Mm-hmm. This is expiring right, right. now. 
And that's why there was a big push to get the bill back better done by Christmas. So everyone, so they could extend the child tax credit, which expires in December. So people would still get their checks in January. Well, that ain't going to happen. Right. So now they're working on some plan that if they get the new bill back better by February, then there'll be a catch up for January, you know, whatever. Um, But here's the point. If they kept the child tax credit in for the full 10 years, Carrie, Mm -hmm. it alone would cost one point four trillion. So if you (laughs) so how much left over for anything else if the progressives really want the child tax credit in for the full 10 years, that's one point four trillion on its own. Jeez. All right. Um, So there would be so. And but there's other issues. Remember the um, remember the the Snoop Dogg IRS. Remember that they were going to look at everybody's bank accounts for right. six hundred dollars, and that was a big mess. And they said, oh, okay, yeah, they people- threw that out. Well, once they threw that out, then the the CBO said, well, then your score is off because we were you were projecting, you know, it's off by a couple hundred billion dollars in revenues because you're not going to be snooping on those. Right. You know, and so then they added that. Um, then they tried the bill, you know, uh, Senator Karen's billionaires tax. You know, remember, right. and and th- that, that didn't fly. Yeah, the Sweet Sixteenth so people- Amendment that wasn't going to fly, so they had to throw that out. Um, everything they've done, you know, has crashed and burned. Right. The Roth IRA. I don't know how many clients have contacted us, Karen. I can't do Roth conversions anymore. Okay, no, that's not the law yet. Right. There's been lots of different versions between the House and the Senate. On how they want to curtail Roth IRAs, but none of that is law yet. Mm-hmm. So don't get, you know, again, don't change your plan mining quite on that yet. Um, and then. And then the salt. That's an, remember the salt. Remember the salt. You know, the, oh, yeah. the state local tax deduct. And then, cap. Yeah, they want. You know that that was something that the 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 New Yorkers and the California progressives or the politicians want to raise the cap for all their rich buddies to right. get those deductions. And then you've got the progressives saying, "Well, what in the Democratic Party like Bernie Sanders?" They're saying, "Well, wait a second. That's just a, a tax break for the millionaires. I thought we we're supposed to, you know, go after right. the millionaires." Um, so I think the Democrats' intake on salt legislation has exceeded their recommended daily limit, Carrie. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if what they're going to get done. I don't think you need to be changing your financial models quite yet. We'll see. Um, but the other thing, too, is if they do, when they do, I still think they will do something. They're mm-hmm. not going to squander this one last chance, perhaps one last chance to get something done with just the 50 votes. While they still have the 50 votes, um, but we'll, we'll see. So for right now, nothing new on that front. And probably you can put that to bed and they'll have right. to re- re- resurrect the Build Back Better plan. Well, that's why when you January. hear about things until it becomes law, you can be proactive, but you can't really control all those things. So it comes down to having a plan, knowing should you be worried and how to adjust. And that's why it's important to be as proactive, especially with this quickly changing environment all the time. Right. And Kara, I get that. That's a good point. So so the idea is we're not, you know, even though we're not ready to change our clients' models based on a build back better plan. Right. right? We are saying, but get your plans updated. So if it does happen, at least you've got an updated plan to right. they're starting from. And we have a few clients that haven't been in in a year or two that we're still working and we had some base case run. Now they're getting ready to retire in 2022. So they're saying, hey, what do you need to get things updated? Because I want to make sure that's still on target because I'm worried about inflation. I'm worried about a recession or a market downturn. And in the year I retire, how does, does that affect my retirement date? Does that affect my spending? Right. So so like the Fed, you've got to watch the data. Right. And and like the Fed, you, you change your models as the data gives you reality. And everyone is different. Some people are going to have to change some things and other people that are really worried and thinking they may may not have to change anything. Right. So we can also look at other things outside of Capitol Hill to say to get a reading or feel for how is the consumer feeling out there and how is the consumer doing? Um 
one of them, like we said, could, the, the corporation's earnings have been great. Mm-hmm. The stock market's been doing, I mean, outside of the volatility, looking at year-to-date returns, no complaints there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything looks good there. Um, how about the movie theater barometer, Carrie? So okay. normally this time of year is the big Christmas movie. Right. Right. So is the Omicron virus going to keep people out of the movie theaters? Um, I think some. Okay. I don't think all. Because I was at the movie theater this week. You were? Yeah. Carrie, you're, you were, you're kidding me. No, I went. I went. I went. My, my youngest wanted to see the Spider-Man movie. Oh, and he okay. wanted to come the opening right. night on Thursday because, or after school, because he didn't want people talking about the spoilers and ruining right. at the talk about it. So the Spider-Man, I think it's called No Way Home, right? I, I don't even know. Yeah. I just so, said, so, okay, we're going to the Spider-Man movie. So you weren't saying there's no way I'm leaving my home. We're going out. No, to I'm, we're going. You want right. to go? We're going. So were you alone in the theater? No, actually, we went earlier at 4.30, and it wasn't that busy. You had to pick your seat. So they were kind of spreading people out um, that weren't in groups. But when we left the movie in the evening, because I think we got out of there about probably 6.30-ish, quarter to 7, it was the parking lot was packed. And I know the theater we went to was running Spider-Man every half hour. Every and half that, hour? Every half The parking lot was, and I've driven by this movie theater parking lot. I haven't seen it that busy in a long time, and it was packed. Well, now, so because so inflation mm-hmm. didn't keep you from paying. Now, do you, was there? Did you notice any ticket price increases? No, that? and you know, like concessions at the movie theater. No, we paid the same pr- about that we always paid. So I didn't see the ticket prices go up. Okay, because you know, last week Steven Spielberg's mm-hmm. remake of West Side Story kind of bombed. Okay. I mean the the box office was like 10 million but they were expecting a lot more than that. Right. So you know what's the rest of the West Side Story? Well, apparently now they're saying that the problem is women and children didn't go. Okay. Now because you know they knew that you know millennial guys weren't going right. to go to West Side Story unless right? with their girlfriend. Well, I don't know <laughs> if it's a, yeah, maybe a date movie right. but but the, the but they were really expecting women and children to go. Really? I don't see that as a bit. I mean, it was a good move, the first one, but I don't see. I don't know. And apparently they didn't. Well, then the. I think because sometimes when they remake movies, they're never as good as the first. But Spielberg. I know, but still. And and it was. People have been waiting this for years. Remember? Really? Oh, yeah. This was going to come out before the Rona. And, and no, I did it not was in the that. works. And then it kept being, you know, postponed. Um, all right. Or, you know, are you know. Or do you not want to see a sad movie either? Like Spider, you know, know. Romeo and Juliet, you know, what the heck? Right. That's what I'm saying. We have enough sad, like with the virus and worries. And there's another movie coming out. So are are you Rona confident enough to take a trip down Nightmare Alley? That's another movie coming out. Mm -hmm. Bradley Cooper's new movie. Okay. Um, Or are people going to be worried about, you know, what's in the alley of the movie theater called the Rona virus? So I don't know. So we'll see. I had my hand sanitizer in my pocket. (laughs) There so, you, go. Um, you know, and, and again, because we would say that going to movies would be a discretionary expense, right? Mm-hmm. It's not mandatory. So that's the that comes back to the issue: is this inflation going to change U.S. consumers' spending? Are people, in other words, are people going to tighten their belt buckle, or are they not? In other words, are we at a position where we can handle the inflation? That's what's left to be determined, right? And there are certain a lot of people in this country that inflation is not going to bother them one iota, Gary, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other people in this country that it's going to mean they can't go to the movies or out to dinner, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's what we'll see. So that what so. <laughs> but how does it affect you? So you don't ask your neighbor necessarily whether they can still afford to go out to Spider-Man or not. You have to maybe sharpen your own elbows mm-hmm. and say, okay, how can I, you know, how can I do that? And of course, a lot of people, you know, try to do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is one of the things that 
you know, I famously call the DIYI, right? The do-it-yourself internet. Right. And so there's a lot of financial planning calculators out there. And and I've always, you know, mentioned that, you know, it's a good time to say my axiom, Carrie. All models are wrong. Right. right? But some are useful. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea is, but if you're not used to, or it's the first time you're using a financial planning model software, it's like any other language. Like, remember when you asked the first learn your computer languages, you know, it's easy right. today, but in the early days, we actually had to, you know, punch those cards and things. But the the idea is, you're, I don't know how confident you are, you know, when you when you're just learning it. Now, mm-hmm. if you use the system every day for a few years, you can get really good at it, right? Right. Or the other concern is that the calculators that you can get DIYI are very superficial. Right. And, and, and it might not really be a realistic enough projection for to put you in a decision-making mode. And a lot of times, like the inflation factor is, is an example of that. So a lot of times, Carrie... That if you're using a, a financial planning model, it's a, a simplicated one. It's saying, okay, what are your annual expenses per year? And then it'll say, well, what inflation do you want to use? Meaning that whatever expenses you give it, it's going to assume that's the same amount of expenses forever. Mm-hmm. And the only variable is how much inflation you, you key in is how much they're going to increase it every year. All right. So it's like one rate. Right. Right. On all expenses mm-hmm. F- going forever. Well, when you think about it, I don't know how realistic that is when you really look at your lifespan. Right. Because some expenses don't go on forever. For example, you could say a lot of the discretionary spending. You could say, well, Mark, I want to build a travel budget when I go into retirement. Okay. Well, you may also say, but I also have longevity. I'm worried about longevity, so I don't want to run out of money before age 90, 95. Do I hear 100? Right, Gary? Mm -hmm. But they say, yeah, but I'm not going to be traveling that long, which obviously they're not. Now, some people may, but Mm -hmm. the majority, you you don't see a lot of travel in our clients, Gary, right after age 80 or 85, really. You know, you don't see a lot. No, we have a few, a but few. yeah, most people say, uh, I don't, I'm done with the travel. I'm done with the hassle. Yeah, I'm right. You know, I mean, good, good for you if you're healthy enough to do, still um, do that. But, you know, so as you say, so I want to build the travel in my prime travel years, maybe that first 10 to 15 years out and in going into retirement, but I want to do that travel while I'm still willing and able but I still need enough left over to pay for the rest of my daily living expenses till I'm 100, right? So that's an, that's an example of and one expense that might not go on forever, right? Um, and we could also say that not all expenses go up at the same rate of inflation. Well, your fixed mortgage, by the way, doesn't go up. Right. And at all with inflation. No, it's the same. And by the way, if it's a fixed mortgage, it doesn't go on forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another example. Um, and you can also say that when you really break down mandatory living expenses and discretionary, can you not yet control the inflation risk to discretionary spending? See, we had talked about that earlier. In other right. words, if you thought that the movie ticket price right. was too inflated, mm-hmm. that was going to affect that you wouldn't be able to pay your groceries. Right. I'm not going to go to the movies. You're not going to go to the movies. That takes care of the inflation on the movie tickets. Right. Still need to buy groceries. Yeah. I mean, the mandatory, your health care, health prescriptions, drugs, you know, whatever. That's first. Yeah. Going to a movie is a luxury. It's a discretionary item. Right. Um, It's the same thing. You know, one of the one of the high cost of living increases that we've seen is in the restaurant eating out category. Mm hmm. Well, see, that doesn't bother me a right. bit because, quite frankly, I don't go out to restaurants. Right. I, you know, now I, now I do and I scale back or I find deals or. See, I enjoy cooking right. at home. Yeah, I, I do it out of necessity. I'm not good at it. Yeah. And I do so, so and, and, and with and, and part of these, you know, I, with this 
Rona going around? Right. How clean are these utensils? I don't know. You smell. I don't know. I've been in a lot of restaurants. They smell like disinfectant, and I see them spraying it. <laughs> I'm gonna. Maybe I should be worried about the the chemicals and yeah, all those disinfectants. So, so in other words, what I'm saying is, so the increase in the restaurant eating out won't affect me mm-hmm. personally. All right. Now, be, and and again, but the other thing too, of course, is eating out is a discretionary item. Right. You can make that argument. So that's why when we're working with our clients and we say, okay, so if you're building a financial planning model, maybe you should go to the amount of detail that breaks down these expenses Mm -hmm. into these different categories. Now, one, for example, which you may want to use some expense categories, even a higher rate than normal day-to-day inflation. Examples of that could be healthcare. Mm Mm-hmm. Expenses, budgeting for health insurance could be if you're still trying to save or pay for college education Mm -hmm. for your children, or perhaps you're planning to help your grandchildren and you're trying to budget what a future college education is going to cost. Um, You might want to use a higher rate of inflation. So the idea is you, you build these building blocks and then you can go in and then start playing your different what-if scenarios right. and say, well, actually, I think, you know, if inflation goes up on daily living expenses, I have to address that. But if, if, if inflation, I don't really have to worry about inflation on my discretionary spending. Or, but maybe you do. Maybe you're saying, I want to know, not only I'm going to build in inflation or right. a higher rate inflation on my daily living expenses, but Mark, I do want to travel. And right. I do want to do the traveling that I've planned on. Right. Meaning that if my Alaskan cruise, which I thought was going to cost 10000 is now going to cost 12000 or 15000 right. I still want to do it. So maybe you adjust from the family gifting. Take it from you. <laughs> but that's the power of getting a good financial model. And that's what I don't see in a lot of these DIY calculators out there. And I think when you get to that level of detailed then our clients are much more comfortable actually implementing and taking actionable steps of finally spending when they weren't spenders and savers or pulling the, you know, finally deciding to retire and, and making those financial decisions. As much as we say sometimes planning is about, you know, peace of mind, it also gives you clarity of what what's possible, what's not, and how you can adjust. And also taking the element, um, we're talking about the building the plan, but then when wages end, how do you create the income needed as tax efficiently as possible and watch these different thresholds as another level. And all of these things that are what we do at the estate planning team, and we've been doing it more than 35 years. Um, we're not investment advisors. We have clients that do investing on their own or they work with existing investment advisors and we coordinate that effort with planning. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation that we offer, and again, we're scheduling between now and the end of February by phone or in person, you can give us a call, leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday morning, or you can visit our website and send an email and we will reply to that as well. It's 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. And you're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. Right, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, well, Carrie, actually, over those decades, I don't think we've ever been at a 5 or 6% no. inflation handle. No. That's what I said. I, as long as I can remember, Mark, we've been here over 25 years. It's been 3 to 4. Right. So we're at 40-year you know, return, uh, inflation records. Now, the only thing I can see is that it's been low for a long time is the rate of return on cash and fixed positions. Oh, that's the interest rates. And, right. And, and Hopefully they'll come back up. At, you know, they'll go up now. So here's a shock line. Surging inflation could see millions of American households paying 3500 in additional expenses this year. Okay. 
Now, Carrie, that struck me because I don't know if you remember, it was, it was a few weeks ago on the show, you can always go back and listen to our podcast. Remember, I was giving an example of if you were doing this at home or how we do it for our clients, is how you may adjust the 4% rule tool for a higher rate of inflation. And I was giving an example of someone, a client who, who was, you know, that they, that's what they were doing. They're saying, well, I had a plan based on the 4% rule right? about what I could afford. That's the 4% rule is doing, right? Right. And the idea was based on that, I was building my, in, you know, inflation, my retirement budget. And then the, what was concerning them was they started reading the shock line risk. Here are some other ones. Think you can rely on the 4% rule in retirement? Think again. Retiring soon? Why the popular 4% withdrawal rule may be a bad idea. Here's another one. A second look at the 4% rule. Okay. Here's another one. The 4% rule faces new problems today. Okay. Here's another one. New research shows you should rethink this popular retirement strategy. I could go on and on and on. And so there's always these, you know, the 4% rule is always driving these headlines and people are saying, is it a better turn? And we've always said, we've been talking about the 4% rule since 35 years. And we've always said, it's just, you have to modify it for your own circumstances. Mm -hmm. Math is math. It's right. not that the 4% rule is broken. Right. Math doesn't break down, right? It's just the idea that you may have to modify it, you know, for what you want to do. But the point of why that reminded me this article headline was because in that example, Karen, I was using a $4,000 increase. Okay. Um, and this article is saying 3500 Okay. Right? And this was put out by the Penn Wharton University of Pennsylvania, and it was their budget model. And what they did um, is that they compared baseline 2019 and 2020 with actual expenditures for 2021. So they used the Consumer Expenditure Survey and... You know, that's put out by the Bureau of Labor right. Statistics. And they also use the November CPI data. Okay. And then, of course, the, the, the assumption was, and this is the big key, right. right, that they assumed that the household wasn't going to cut back right. on anything, meaning they weren't going to tighten their belts. Mm -hmm. They were going to do exactly the same spending as previous years. Okay. All right. Uh, and we all know that's not really what happens in America. No. It, what really happens in America is people tighten their belt mm -hmm. and cut out spending. Right. But, but that's the point. Do you have to do that? Do you know whether you have to do that or not? That's our point. That's why you don't ask your neighbor whether they have to cut back on going out to the movies, right? Mm -hmm. You want to know, you want to run your own model. You want to know, do you have to? Right. right. That's what we help our clients understand. And, and you have to start thinking beyond just the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. In other words, the inflation, you know, the, like, let's go back to the last 12 months. I don't know. Have you cut back on anything? I don't know. Yeah. That is a personal choice. Right. right. But the idea is, if you didn't cut back anything, let's say you still took the trip. Let's say you still gifted the amount. All right. The idea is it didn't really, you didn't run out of money this year, Carrie, right? Right. Just in some weird way, it affected how long your money's going to last. Right. Now that's math is tough to do in your head. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, that's why we need the models. Right. Um. So, so it, go, to go back to that case, so if you remember, Carrie, it, it was, it, the case was um, when we did the original 4% rule, we, we, you know, it came out that um, the client was going to have about um, in fixed retirement income between their Social Securities, that was going to be about 36000 And then... And then we use the million dollars, right? right. So a million dollars. So the four percent rule says they can take forty thousand out, right? Okay. So you add the forty thousand to the Social Security thirty six thousand, and that gave them the seventy six thousand. 
Mm-hmm. And then that 4% rule says, is, yeah, as long remember Benjamin's 4% rule, 5% rate of return, 30-year time period. Mm-hmm. So if you're 65, the 30-year takes you to 94. Mm-hmm. Is that long enough? Is that too long? Depends. That's why you have to modify it, right, for your own circumstances. Take out 4% the first year, and then you increase the withdrawal by 3.5% every year. Okay. That was the inflation factor that um, by, or Biden. <laughs> by- <laughs> Benjamin used originally. Okay. I think I Benjamin was a bit brighter I, than I don't Biden. Know what, I don't know what inflation like, factor President Biden is doing. Um, but anyway, so the 40000 for example, in year two becomes 41400 In year three, it becomes 42849 That's what's going up by the cost of living increase. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, you know, by the time you're 80 years old, you're not taking out 40000 anymore. You're taking out 67000 mm-hmm. By the time you're 90 years old, you're not taking out 40000 a year. You're taking out 94500 Right. See, that's what keeps your lifestyle going. And then by the end of the 30th year, your million dollars would be approaching zero. And you would have pulled out 2.144, mm-hmm. for spending over the cumulative over those 30 years. Now, also with the Social Security, it, that also gets a cost of living increase. So, so that was original. Oh, but then, you know, using that PCE, which we actually saw, remember, Fed, you know, the Fed said that the, 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 they were you know, they had up at the five, right. five and a half percent this year. So, you know, the, the, so we were saying that was about a 5.2, 5.3 handle. So, in other words, the, the, the cost really now isn't no longer 76000 right? Mm-hmm. If we add on that actual 5% increase we have, it's now about 80000 Hmm. So now you want to know, well, can I still afford that 80000 Hmm. Okay. So you have to redo the 4% rule. Right. Right. Because now, and, and, and you can't just say that's, you know, so, you know, you're saying, well, I've got to get that extra 4000 from my investment portfolio. Okay. Well, you hope. Well, I mean, unless you got the money right. tree growing in the backyard. Right. Um, but all right. So that means that the 40000 I really got to take out $44,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, can you still do it? Now, if you say, well, I, what would the revised 4% rule look like? Meaning that, um, I, you know, if I, yeah, if, if let's say you want to say that I want to increase the cost of living from 3.5% to the new 5%. Okay. All right. So you could make that adjustment in the 4% rule calculation, mm-hmm. just up the inflation factor. Right. All right. Well, if you if you started fresh with that, with your million dollars in year one, but you wanted to add a 5% 30-year increase, right, mm-hmm. compared to the 3.5%, you can't take out 4% the first year. Okay. Obviously. Right. So can you do the math in your head what you can take out? No. No, of course not. I mean, maybe some people can. Right. I can't. We have to ask the robot. So actually, instead of taking out 4% the first year, you'd have to dial that down to 3.33%. Okay. So your first year withdrawal wouldn't be 40000 It'd be 33300 So that means your bottom line spending is no longer 76000 It's 69300 See, that you could go that way, but right. no, the client's, well, Mark, no, I want to go the other way. You know, I want to get my right. 44000 out. Hmm. Well, we got to change something else then. Some assumptions. See, the four percent rule is not broken. It's just the formulas are, are work just fine. It's the assumptions that you need to adjust and change. So you could say, "All right, well, I want to keep the thirty-year time period. I want to increase the inflation factor to five percent, but I still want to take out my forty-four thousand in year one." So then you have to increase the growth rate. Is your only option. Right. So instead of five percent. How much you have to, can you do that math in your head? No. I can't. The ro- is it take the long of the robots to do Not that? Not at all. No. The, the solution is 7.15%. Okay. So you say, well, if you could get a 7.15% on investments every year for 30 years straight, right. then you're okay. You could get the 44000 out in year one with a 5% inflation factor. Are mm, you feeling comfortable with the 7.15%? 
in today's world? How no. much risk do you need to? Am I really deten- because to get that? I'm assuming you're going to have to take a lot of risk, which means, and that's not assuming any downturns, right? Because you know it's. And the more risk you take, the more at risk you are to a downturn, right? You and know, if you, I'm and if I'm not working anymore, it's going to be a lot harder to make that up. Right. But you could also say, but I really, but I don't know if I think that this 5% inflation handle is going to be that for the next 30 years. Or in this case, you may say, well, Mark, I really don't think I need my plan last in age 94. Come on. Right. Right. Um, so this is how you're modifying it then. Right. Maybe not 30 years. What if you did 24? Five years or, or maybe 26. age 90. Okay. 26 years to age 90. So you're 90. shaving four years off. Okay. Um, and let's say that you don't think that we're going to have this 5% inflation forever mm-hmm. or for the rest of your ever. All right. But you do think it's a little bit more sticky than what the Federal Reserve is currently thinking. Mm-hmm. Meaning you don't think it's going to go back down to two percent range in the next over the next three years all right so so now we can revise a four percent rule to kind of modify those scenarios and you can modify when you say inflation it doesn't have to be for the lifetime you can have inflation go that higher inflation for a few years and then back down to normal inflation and this so we ran the five percent inflation for example for the next 10 years okay and then went back to we didn't go back down to two no we went down to three okay all right so what does it look like now and we also said okay you don't need it going to 95 you only need it going to 90 okay all right and and so now we want to any but we still kept the forty four thousand. Okay. Because that's what the client was, you know, so we said we're not changing the spending. Because, no, they're saying this is what I want to do. Need, want to do. Right. I don't want to tighten my belt. Right. Cause, I want to know. A, but there's only so many variables you can right. change. I want to know, can I still afford this without taking out too much risk? Right. On the rate of return assumption. So now we're saying, okay, so now this is a revised 4% rule. So we're, we've added in 5% inflation for the first 10 years. Then and 3%. then down 3% for the remaining uh, 16 years, going to age 90. Okay. All right. Um, we're keeping the 44000 mm-hmm. withdrawal the first year. So now tell me what my investment rate of return needs to be. Okay. Can you do that math in your head? No. You might want to ask your investment advisor. What's a realistic growth rate based on what you're But if you're just doing the numbers, you would need 5.5%. That's a little bit more comfortable to make that decision. And Well, maybe, but now you have, uh, maybe you have a, a, a number or a, a projection that you can now sit down with your investment advisor and say, okay, based on how you have my account allocated today, if, if it's designed to get 5%, let's say, how much more risk do I need to take on to get five and a half? And maybe that's a better number to start versus the generic moderately conservative, conservative, risky, like that's very specific. And I think that's more helpful to people. And those are the things that we look at at the estate planning team. And you can take advantage of a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. Go Browns! Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.